Thursday has escaped once more and is right in front of us on this December 3rd, 2020. I'm Sean Tubbs, and this is the Charlottesville Community Engagement Newscast and Newsletter. On today's program, Governor Ralph Northam discusses how a COVID vaccine may soon be distributed in Virginia. A Green County woman has been murdered, the latest, in a series of homicides in the region. Albemarle Board of Supervisors agrees to move forward with a public hearing for a county cigarette tax, and the Charlottesville Chamber of Commerce hands out awards at the Rebound Ball. Today's episode is brought to you by all of those who have opted to pay for the show through various means. I'll run down those ways at the end of the show. For now, there's a lot of information to get to. Governor Ralph Northam yesterday talked about how Virginia is preparing to distribute a COVID-19 vaccine. But first, he said that all regions of the Commonwealth are experiencing community spread. Our percent positivity is now at 8.3%. It was around 5% just a few weeks ago. Our hospitals are seeing higher numbers of people hospitalized with COVID than they have during this pandemic. Today, that number has jumped to 8.8%. We'll have more on that in a moment. Northam said that while Virginia has had lower numbers than many states, the Commonwealth is connected to fellow jurisdictions. In our border communities, people routinely cross state lines to work, shop, and visit their families. What happens in these other states affects us here in Virginia. For example, health officials believe Tennessee's lack of a mask requirement and other restrictions has increased the spread of the virus in neighboring Virginia communities. Northam said that people are letting their guard down by not wearing masks in small gatherings. Virginia, you know the truth. If you don't wear masks and you don't social distance and you think your right to ignore public health advice trumps your neighbor's right to not get infected by you, these cases will just continue going up. Northam did not impose any new restrictions yesterday. He said vaccines are on the way. I want to outline for Virginians what to expect in the coming weeks and months. First of all, we have every reason to believe that these vaccinations are safe. Remember that this is a global pandemic and the best science available worldwide has gone into developing and researching these vaccines. Northam drew upon his experience as a doctor to vouch for the process, but said Virginians needed to be patient while the logistics of delivering the vaccine to those who need it first are worked out. And last night, the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices voted to put health care workers and residents of long-term care facilities first in line. And this makes sense. Virginia is planning a phased approach which aligns with CDC guidelines. As we get more vaccine, we will be able to prioritize other groups, such as medically vulnerable people. Northam said Virginia is ready to mobilize. The Virginia Department of Health has been planning for this vaccine for several months, starting in the summer. They've worked with hospitals, long-term care facilities, and providers in the community and have the systems ready to keep track of this large-scale operation. Northam said if the Food and Drug Administration grants the emergency use request to approve the vaccines, they could be shipped to states as early as mid-December. 
Virginia expects to get about 70,000 doses from Pfizer in the first wave, enough to give 70,000 individuals to get their first dose of the vaccine. The current vaccines from both Pfizer and Moderna require two doses, so the success of this endeavor depends on those supply chains working out. Northam said vaccines from other companies are also working their way through the approvals process and that he is personally ready. When our turn comes, my family and I will have no hesitancy about getting vaccinated. And I strongly encourage every Virginian to get the vaccine. That is our only path to getting back to that near normal, which we often speak about. Northam said this will take months, so social distancing, mask wearing, and hand washing are necessary to help reduce transmission of the virus. Today, the Virginia Department of Health reports another 2,023 COVID-19 cases. The seven-day average for positive PCR tests has increased to 8.8 percent today. One thing to note is that the Virginia Department of Health in the past seven days has processed half as many tests as they did the week before. In the Blue Ridge Health District, there are another 22 cases reported today, and the seven-day average is 27 cases a day. This weekend, the Blue Ridge Health District and UVA Health will offer 2,000 self-administering COVID-19 tests at an event at Albemarle High School. The U.S. Department of Health and Human Services is providing the tests, which will be available for people over the age of 13 from noon to 4 p.m. Pre-registration is required and can be done at the website that you can see in the newsletter. If you have questions, there's a contact information also in the newsletter. A Charlottesville woman is dead after being shot just after midnight on Tuesday in the 700 block of Selt Road in Greene County. Terry Beji reports in the Greene County record that 21-year-old Sarah Hammond is the victim, but that the sheriff's office had not yet ruled the incident as a homicide. In November, three people were murdered in Charlottesville in individually unrelated cases, and suspects have been taken into custody in two of those incidents. Charlottesville police continue to investigate the murder of 31-year-old Tanya Renee Wheeler. In late November, the Daily Progress reported that Albemarle County police arrested James Elliott Fitch in the killing of 55-year-old Yvette Fitch near Covesville. Another Albemarle man was arrested earlier in November and charged with the second-degree murder of Madeline Colvin, according to a report from NBC29. The Albemarle Board of Supervisors has agreed to take the next step in a plan to levy a 40-cent tax on all packs of cigarettes sold in the county. Albemarle and the vast majority of Virginia's other counties did not have that ability until legislation passed the General Assembly earlier this year, giving them the enabling authority. Lori Allshaus is the Assistant Chief Financial Officer for Policy and Partnership. Up until now, only Virginia's cities and towns and two counties were able to impose a cigarette tax. Alls House recommended that Albemarle enter into a regional approach with some of its neighbors to prevent one locality from having a competitive advantage in the form of lower prices for cigarettes. She said Northern Virginia has a regional tax. 19 jurisdictions have gone together to administer this tax in a regional way with a regional board. On Tuesday, the Thomas Jefferson Planning District held a webinar on the topic, and Executive Director Chip Boyles told me in an email this morning that they plan to invite a member of the Northern Virginia Cigarette Tax Board to speak to interested localities. 
All's House acknowledged that revenue from the tax is likely to decline as cigarette smoking usage continues to drop. She suggested the board could dedicate the tax revenue to a specific purpose and added that the county will apply an equity lens to its decision. Albemarle and other communities across the Commonwealth also received the ability to levy a tax on plastic bags, but All's House said the county wants to take more time to study the effect that would have on small businesses during the pandemic. A lot of times they have to program things differently within their stores to be able to impose this tax. So we're pausing on bringing that forward to you today because of that. The Charlottesville Regional Chamber of Commerce held its annual award dinner last night, the only way such things really can happen these days, virtually. Welcome to this year's celebration of our business community, which has extra special meaning to all of us during this unbelievably crazy and challenging year. That's Chamber President and CEO Elizabeth Cromwell. This year, the Chamber handed out special awards to recognize businesses that have adapted to the pandemic. The Pivot Award went out to Animal Connection, Brooks Family YMCA, Chick-fil-A at Fashion Square, Culinary Concepts AB, Jefferson Area Board for Aging, King Family Vineyards, Mickey Tavern, the Virginia Institute of Autism. The Pivot Award also went to marketing firm Bright Ideas, Here's the company's owner, Janet Bailow. It's really ironic that we should win the Pivot Award because during the past several months, which feels like several years to me, um, we heard the word pivot so many times. This company could pivot, this company didn't pivot, this supplier pivoted, this supplier didn't pivot. I got to the point with my staff that I said, if I hear the word pivot one more time, I'm going to scream. Well, I'm really happy to hear the word pivot in this context, so thank you so much. Another pivot award went to Culinary Concepts AB and chef Antoine Brinson. This year, going into 2020, we were forecast to have one of the best years thus far in our business. And like businesses all around the world, in March, Everything came to a screeching halt. When I say a halt, I mean flatline. Nothing. However, Brinson said he was gifted with more time, which has given him perspective. Where many people see March as a barrier, I saw it as an opportunity. An opportunity to look at my community and see where the needs were and create solutions that allow me to fill the gap. Brinson said he ended up spending the early days of the pandemic figuring out how to create virtual classes, and he also partnered with 4P Foods. They work with regional farmers, giving them an opportunity to sell their produce to businesses and consumers such as yourself. The next stage was, how do we connect the dots? How do I educate people around the seasonality of produce? How do I inspire you to want to get in your kitchen and create something different? Attendees of the Chamber's Rebound Ball also learned about progress made by the Network to Work program. Ridge Schuyler is the Dean of Community Self-Sufficiency at Piedmont Virginia Community College. Network to Work is built on the principle that a community thrives when all of its residents thrive. And to thrive, families need enough income to provide their basic needs and begin building wealth. Network to Work identifies people who have been left behind in our economy 
Using a novel network of neighborhood-based connectors, these connectors match job seekers to employers like you who offer jobs and careers that pay family-sustaining wages. Governor Northam has recently announced he wants to take the program statewide. Schuyler said the local program has worked with over 1,000 people looking to recover from setbacks since 2014. I'll have more from the rebound ball in Friday's newsletter. In meetings today, the advisory group that's overseeing the creation of the capital improvement budget for Albemarle's next fiscal year meets at 2 p.m. The Natural Heritage Committee meets at 5.30 p.m. The Thomas Jefferson Planning District Commission meets at 7 p.m. And you can see agendas for all those meetings either in the week ahead newsletter that ran on Sunday or by clicking on the links in the newsletter. The Virginia Festival of the Book has another shelf life event at noon. Mystery authors Jasmine Amick and Nev March will discuss their debut novels with Meredith Cole. There's a link to that also in the newsletter. And that's it for today's installment of the Charlottesville Community Engagement Newscast and Newsletter. At the top of the show, I did say there were some ways that if you wanted to help me keep this going, first, you can subscribe on Substack. And thank you to the many people who have done so, so far. There's also a Patreon account. This is if you want to fund my general research, and you're not necessarily looking for a product necessarily, but you want to make sure that I have my eyes on things and that eventually I can pay people and to train them to uh, to train people in what to look for in all of these meetings. There's also Venmo. If you want to subscribe and you don't necessarily want to give a credit card over to somebody, a one-time payment through Venmo is something you can do. You can see all of these links in the newsletter. Now, in the near future, there's also going to be a way to advertise. I haven't figured this out exactly yet, but I do have a lot of people who have been interested in this. And I'm looking forward to figuring out a way to make this work because what I really want to do is make sure that the small businesses in our community have a way to get their information and their products out to people. That's one form of community engagement, isn't it? And I really am looking forward to experimenting with that. And if you're interested, please drop me a line and uh, we can try to figure out some way to make it work out for all of us. Um, In the meantime, stay safe out there and thanks for listening.